0: Well, are you excited for the word this morning? Well, as those of you who don't know, my name is Pastor Mark. My wife and I, Ellie, we planted Exchange Church a little over three years ago, and it has been the best journey ever. Just meeting new people and, uh, you know, not being united on how we look and how we sound, how we talk. There's a whole bunch of people from all over the world here, different races, different backgrounds, but we are united in his kingdom and in his cause. And so it's awesome to come together in the name of Jesus, not in the name of how I identify. I identify as a man of God. My identity is in him. And so it's exciting to come together and be part of this. Um, So I want to talk today about... IQ, EQ, and SQ. The title of my message is being spiritually awake, spiritually aware, spiritually sensitive to what the Holy Spirit and God is doing in our lives. I feel like there are people, and especially in the area in which we live, the East Bay, we are heavily invested. In fact, we are trained to think that if our IQ is not off the chart, that is the true measure of success. And we tend to invest so much. But then what happens is there's people that have a spiritual crisis and they don't know what to do. And so they try to lean towards solving an in, a, a spiritual problem with an intellectual strategy. And see, there's, we have a soul, and so God uh, wants to heal our soul. And sometimes we can't run. Although education is not a bad thing, we can't run to that sometimes. We need to run to God. And so we have people, especially, I would say, and I guess most people here would agree, especially in particular the area in which we live, the Bay Area, And this is one of the highest demographics of ratio of people who have a degree and have post-degree and doctorates and and PhDs and and all of these numbers after their name. And, And we've invested so much into that. But what happens when a crisis takes place? What do we do? Where do we go? Well, there's a great scripture. It's Romans 8, 5, 6, and it's the NLT version. You can see it up there on the screen. It says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Wow, isn't that brilliant? I watched a a documentary uh, this week. And it was two South African ladies who gave birth about four years ago at the same time I believe it was in Pretoria, in South Africa, they gave birth in the hospital. On that particular day, there were 12 women who gave birth. And two of the mothers had complications during the birth, and so they had to be taken away for a procedure to get them healthy, and that's what they did. And unfortunately, when they were getting treatment, the midwife accidentally switched the name tags on the child's identification on their little uh, little charts and so what happened is it didn't get discovered until four years later. This is a fresh case that's happening right now. In fact, the case has gone to the, one of the highest courts in the land. And so the two scenarios that are happening right now is, is one mother, although she's deeply in love with the child that she brought home, in her heart says, this is not my biological child. And so I need to give this child back. And although it, it must be, I mean, imagine having to do that it would be absolutely hectic. And the other mother is adamant in her position. This is the child that I brought home. This is my child and is holding on. And so this is the reason why it's gone to court. And I can't imagine, even begin to imagine the emotional attachment that those mothers would have to those children. Emotions really matter. IQ, EQ, SQ. Your IQ, your intellectual quotation, you can see uh, here, uh, there's a slide with the definition that says uh, numbers, a number representing a person's reason, uh, reasoning ability as compared to the statistical normal average for their age. That's my IQ, how smart I am, how how smart I am able to retain, to understand and to apply the information that I get. That is my intellectual quotation. And I believe that we should develop that, amen. I believe sometimes I see Christians who goes so far to the right, and it's all spiritual, everything's spiritual, that if they just had a little bit of wisdom, they would be able to solve a problem straight away just like that. You know, I remember as a young youth pastor, maybe 20 years ago, we were praying for a particular area to have a breakthrough. God, reach those kids. We pray that they would come to youth. And we were praying for years. And then someone said, one of the young people actually said, why don't you get a bus and go and pick them up? So we went and got a bus and went and picked them up. And then next thing you know, we had 20 or 40 kids from that particular area coming. We didn't need a spiritual breakthrough. We needed to rely on that intellectual capacity. And so intellectual is a good thing, right? I just pray that at the foundation of what intellect you have is God. And I pray that at the foundation of your spiritualness is God. But we have these emotional things that take place, that really challenge us. And I think emotions really do matter. They impact us and they persuade us. They cause us to think a certain way and live and act a certain way. And they can influence the way that we intellectually think and they can influence the way that we spiritually think because of what emotionally has happened. And so a great definition of my EQ, we can put it up there on the screen, is one's ability to control the expression or suppression, how many people know that we can suppress our emotions of the different emotions we experience. And so we deal with our emotions intellectually and we deal with them spiritually. You know, I've done things in my life that on the outside that seemed intellectually insane, but they were spiritually spot on. Have you ever been faced with that? Where your intellect is telling you to do something, but your spirit says, no, it's time to do this. You know, uh, I think I've also done things that are spiritually immature that we could have used a little bit of common sense. You know, so uh, when I, Ellie and I, we, we, we were married. Um, our youth ministry in Australia was fantastic. Uh, we'd just bought a house and we just had a baby. And I really felt God say, Mark, it's time to quit, it's time to leave. That intellectually didn't make sense. And I didn't have a job lined up to go to. All I had was a word from God in my spirit that said, Mark, it's time to leave. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit still speaks to us today? Aren't you glad that he gets on the inside and he only he can do? He cuts through the mess, he cuts through the noise, he goes right into our soul, and he commands and he speaks, and it's gentle and it's consistent and it's true. And I had that moment, and God spoke and said, "Mark, I am calling you to somewhere else." And in that moment, when I released those words out of my mouth and I said that to my current pastor at that time, "What are you going to do?" And I had absolutely no, I had no plan B, and. Uh, I said, I I don't know. I think we might be going to America. And Ellie looked at me and said, America? (laughs) It was a biggest shock on her face. You know, it's so funny though. uh, The voice of God that I'd known all my life was that voice. And I didn't quit my job because I was unhappy and tried to let my emotions get involved in that situation and try and manipulate it and go, well, I'm not happy. And God's telling me to do this and I'm off. I had a word from God. I had a word from God that I wasn't making up myself. And how do I know it was a word from God? Because it was confirmed by the counsel that was around me. It was consistent with the word of God. And uh, the moment that I told Ellie, when I got home before we had that meeting, I said to her, look, I know this is going to make you upset. I know that you are intellectually, emotionally and spiritually incapable. This is her words of making a decision to leave. But as soon as I released those words out of my mouth and said, it's time to leave, she just burst into tears. Before the first tear could roll down her cheek and hit the ground, our phone rang and it was a prophet friend, a guy who hears God's voice. And he said, Mark, this is gonna sound crazy. But God just spoke to me and said, you're supposed to quit your job. Just as I said it to Ellie. I mean, how else, can you make that up? You can, did did I, was that guy just, does he have a bug in my house? And he's waiting for those words to come out and... I mean, if he does, that's pretty pretty creepy, but uh, <laughs> but right at that moment, you know, God doesn't just do that for people who stand on this stage. And know, God does that for every single person in this room. Moments like that. If you get desperate enough and have enough expectation in your heart, I promise that he will do that. God is a great God. So... Emotions matter, uh, our, our, EQ matter. Our, our EQ is one's ability to control the expression or suppression of the different emotions we experience, or so simply put, it's emotional management. And can I quickly say uh, this, emotional management, in the context of that, small pots boil quickly. Did you catch that? Small pots boil quickly. There are some people who have incre- incredible intellect and fancy themselves to be quite spiritual, but as soon as a challenge comes up in their life, they get angry and upset and they're so emotional and moody and one week they're up and one week they're down. Well, I think the sign of someone who is mature is someone that has good emotional management. In fact, they actually say uh, that, I watched a TED Talk, uh, 90% of the top performers in terms of uh, EQ have a higher EQ than the average person. 90% of top performance uh, meaning that what are the management of? It would be a list of anger, fear, disgust, happiness, sadness, surprise, contempt. So when any of those emotions come up, whenever you feel angry, an emotionally mature person knows how to control and direct that anger, knows how to withhold and and abstain. And I'm not talking maybe sometimes fear comes up. Well, an emotionally strong person, although they are fearful of what, they are being presented with they don't just suppress that fear they know how to release that fear to God to cast it out with God's love and be able to embrace what God has for us meaning that I'm just not going to get caught up in being someone I don't know I don't want to be that kind of father who gets to a certain age and I can't look at my son and say I love you because I'm not emotionally vulnerable or secure enough to be able to say it I want to look every one of my kids in their eyes and say I love you and you smell (laughs) I don't want to be able to do that for the rest of my life with my kids. I'm about to be truly emotional with them. Expressed emotions either come from our flesh or from our united spirit in Christ. What do I mean by that? Our emotions either come from our flesh, meaning they come from... Uh, that our selfish nature, they come out of our insecurities and our fears. They come out of a dark place, not a healthy place, or they come from our united spirit in Christ. Our spirit is united with Christ. And so we are expressing our emotions out of that. You know what? In faith, we're going to go forward. In faith, I'm going to believe. And in love, even though what has been uh, put on me or said about me, I am going to, because I am emotionally secure, I'm going to respond with love and with grace and with kindness instead of just letting go. It says in Romans 8, 6 in the NLT, it says, you can see it on the screen. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. How awesome is that? What's controlling your mind? What are we allowing to control our thinking, our thoughts, the thoughts that take place? You know, the thoughts that I'm talking about when you're driving by yourself, I've had a lot of thought time this week, been very quiet in my house and you start to think and you think about well, where we're we going to be as a church in, in the next two weeks. We don't even have a location and the thoughts that can creep in, are, well, it's going to be terrible and it's going to be bad and it's not going to work out good. Or I can take control of those thoughts, take them captive and, and say and hand them over to God and say, God, but you know what? You're in control. You have a plan. In fact, where we're going to be is on purpose. And there's people that we're going to encounter and reach in those areas because, God, you are in control. What am I doing with the thoughts that are taking place in my head. You know, I've actually watched in just in the last five, I would say it's five years, and I I, I'm guess maybe some of you would agree or disagree, but just in the last five short years, I've watched a significant cultural shift from truth challenging my emotions and decisions to my feelings dictating my emotions and my decisions. So once upon a time, you know what, I may feel this way, but what does truth say? And now it's, well, how do I feel? And that's where I get my truth from. And I see a lot of people buying into this belief that if I feel that way, then it must be true. Then what if your truth, though, conflicts with my truth? Then does that mean your truth's not true? Well, I'm going to just live my truth. Well, but what if your truth's not really true? Because my truth conflicts with that truth. Well, it's my truth, though. Well, is that a true statement? Because if that's a true statement, you have to rise above. If it's just your truth, then you have to rise above to say that that's a true statement. True? (laughs) Does that make sense? So you know what I do is I let my feelings indicate, but I don't let them dictate. I let my feelings indicate whenever I'm in an experience, I let them indicate, but I don't let them dictate the decisions that I have to make, whether it be an intellectual outcome or a spiritual outcome. In other words, don't let your feelings change your theology, but pray that your feelings lead you to your theology, meaning that feelings will indicate, but they can't dictate. We're not just supposed to be in touch with our feelings or our, or our emotions, but in control of them. So to be in control of how we emotionally feel. You know, and I, I just think, that as men and women of God, we should be sensitive to our emotions and sensitive to the emotions of other so that we can lead, that we can influence and that we can impact the way that God's called us. It says, uh, have I read Omen, uh, Romans 5 yet? Did I read? Oh, well, you're in for a good one. Romans 5 says, those who were dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death. But letting your spirit control your mind leads to life and peace, which is exactly what I was saying before, is not allowing my feelings to dictate, but allow them to indicate the way that God is impressing upon me. I mean, this is real life stuff. Right here. I mean, you could be standing there, you could find yourself to start this afternoon standing there at Nordstrom looking at that beautiful new dress and, oh, it looks good, and you want to buy that dress, and there's an emotional response that we can have to that. Or if it's like me, it could be a, you know, I'm looking at a menu and there's that beautiful ribeye, dry aged, <laughs> biblical ribeye. <laughs> And it brings out this emotion in me to make a decision. What am i saying is this, is I don't let my emotions dictate. I let them indicate, but I have to rationale at the foundation of my intellect is God, at my IQ and the foundation of my spiritual quotation is God. SQ, everybody say SQ. Are you receiving the word this morning? Is it getting into our hearts? Okay, SQ, is the parts of life or your free will and I've intentionally put that in there to be more precise that has been surrendered to God by the evidence of obedience. What is my spiritual quotation? It's the parts of my life or your free will to be more precise that has been surrendered to God through the evidence of obedience. Obedience is a test of surrender. Obedience is, it may be The test, but I'm saying it's a test, a test of surrender. My spiritual quotation. So I'm asking the question simply, how do you know if you're spiritual? How do I I know how spiritual I am as a Christian? How spiritually aware, how spiritually awake? Well, I feel like the evidence of that, that we should see in someone's life, is how surrendered they are to God. It's not how much they know. A mature Christian it's not someone who's been a Christian for the longest. They might have knowledge, but if that knowledge is not applied and tested through obedience and surrender, then that doesn't necessarily mean that we're effective Christian. There are plenty of Christians that sit in church and are not doing anything for God, that know a lot about God. But, but, but I like to believe that true maturity and true spiritual quotated development are people who have actually surrendered their lives to God and say, God, it's not my will but I'm willing to get in a plane and go to another country or I'm willing to quit your job, whatever it is. I'm not telling you to quit your job. Please don't actually quit your job (laughs) until you get a God word. But it's taking that to God and saying, God, what are you saying? What are you you doing? And I like to think too, it's not about about, uh, my way or your way. It's about Yahweh. Amen. If God says go and you say no, then I say whoa. <laughs> Obedience is a test of surrender, right? And think about that. Think about that, what that meant for Jesus, how surrendered he was. He was surrendered all the way to the cross. That's how obedient he was. That's how he developed his spiritual quotation. He just surrendered his free will. I mean, what is it to be a Christian? Just keep surrendering your free will. Less of me, more of you. I want more of you, God. I want you to use me. When I go out, every day belongs to him. Some of us are at the point where Sundays belong to God and that's totally where you're at in your stage of faith and that's not being judgmental and that just be in terms of your spiritual awareness right now. But as I grow in my relationship with God, each day I, I, I discover and realize that God actually wants part of my Monday and 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 then and then I realize on Tuesday there's assignments that God has for me on on Tuesday and Wednesday and lo and behold he's got he gave me a day off on Thursday but then there's something on Friday that he wants me to do and I'm like okay God's got something that he wants me to do on Friday and I'll never do that if I'm not surrendered and it will never happen if I'm not obedient and how do I know because God, the test is going to be if I don't if I'm not obedient then I'm not surrendered and, and, and I can know a lot about God. I can get up here and probably I've been reading the Bible for a lot of years. And I know a lot of scriptures. I know a lot of Bible verses. I listen to a lot of messages. But it all means absolutely nothing unless I'm actually doing something for God. I don't want to be an inactive. My God's alive. And I've got a mission from God. We've all got a mission and a responsibility from God to go and change people's lives. So we have people that are around us right now that are so heavily invested into IQ. It's an imbalance or an unbalance. And and again, IQ's not bad. And I think sometimes the church has put a a downer on on IQ and it's all spiritual and we should all just be completely spiritual and you know and then they're almost no earthly good. And I'll say no. I think is that the foundation of your intellect is a foundation of God and at the foundation of your spiritual is God. And I think people in our world are having into, they're having emotional crises, whether it be their kids are getting caught up in stuff that they wouldn't want their kids to be part of, no parent would believe for. And it's a crisis. And so what we do is we it's a spiritual crisis at the root. And so what do we do sometimes is we go and find someone who's even more intellectual than us and more qualified than us, and we try to solve it that way. But I believe that sometimes we're actually supposed to go to Jesus and say, Jesus... We need your help. We surrender. God, give us wisdom, give us insight, speak to us in a moment of worship. How many people believe that God can do more than we can do in just in a moment? Just like that, what God can do, He can turn a whole situation upside down. SQ. So what if God says to you, like he did to Moses, hold up your staff with an estimated three million people behind him. Sometimes God says things that makes no intellectual sense. God said to Moses after he had led the Israelites out of captivity, he's got, it says in the Bible that there are 600,000 men. You double that with women, you're looking at 1.2. And then if you add about 17 kids per family back in that day, not really, but probably you're looking at about Three million people, and that's a, a guesstimated guess, but three million people and they have now come to the, 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 the Red Sea and they're standing there. What are they supposed to do? And, and everyone's looking to Moses going, what on earth are we supposed to do? And God says, lift up your staff. And that's, I mean, he must have looked like a crazy man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> lift up a staff? And that's going to bring a breakthrough. That's of all the things I would be like, all right, who here knows how to build a boat? Who here knows how to sail? Um, Who can swim? Anybody got any swimmers here? All right. I'm looking at strategies and I'm looking to the left and I'm looking to the right. There's nowhere to go. What does God say? Lift up a staff. You know, some of you are in a situation right now and God is going to tell you to lift up a staff lift up a staff at that situation and God is going to do the miraculous above and beyond that you could ever hope for or dream for because God our God is a God of miracles not going to get trapped into this place it doesn't make intellectual sense you know I think of Gideon he's about to go into war and he's got 22,000 men and God says you know what I want to make sure that you don't get any credit for this So let's get rid of all of your men except 300. That's crazy talk. 300. What kind of a strategy? Imagine as a a businessman today sitting before a venture capitalist and saying, I've got no idea what I'm doing here today and I've got no plan, but God said to me to lift up my staff. (laughs) You know, God tells people throughout history to do crazy things like that. And for Ellie and I, when we made that decision to step out in faith, I mean, we stepped out in faith from living in Houston and Texas. We had job security and, and they had great air conditioning at the church. And uh, it, it, in fact, they had a whole floor dedicated to the youth ministry and uh, it, it, was, it was set and forget. It was brilliant. But God says, lift up your staff. You're moving to San Francisco but we don't know anybody there. Well, I didn't know, so? (laughs) But God, how are we going to afford to live? That's the most expensive city in the world right now. So? And God just kept on pressing into our soul. And what happens? Here we now stand with Church of a couple of hundred people soldiering on, and God is doing a ama- has done amazing stuff over this last three years in, and, and the treasure is what God did in people 's lives it 's not how big the church becomes it 's how big God is in people 's hearts, and we 're seeing people encounter Jesus in a real way. And I pray if we just all grow a little bit in our relationship with God, that would be the treasure, wouldn't it? And I pray that we would be a church that's effective, impactful and changing people's lives. In fact, we are a church that's impacting people's lives right now. I quit because God told me to. So, uh, so how do I know and how do I measure that I'm growing in my spiritual quotation? How do I know that I'm actually growing in my relationship with God, that I'm developing that spiritual aspect of me, that I'm spiritually awake? Well, the first one is this, as I would say, is stay awake, stay alert, stay focused, stay sensitive. You know, I, I, I kind of like to think in a lot of circumstances, sometimes my emotions get the best of me and I think about the situation emotionally, purely, or intellectually and just rationalize it out. And that's just kind of my natural man does that sometimes. But if you can kind of sometimes look into a situation that you're presented and say, God, what are you actually doing here? How are you in this? So right now, some, most of us have stuff that we're dealing with right now. Maybe it's a, a work colleague that is rubbing you the wrong way. And you're just frustrated. And, and, but you have to go, God, what are you doing in this situation right now maybe it's uh, maybe it's a child it's a, maybe it's within a marriage maybe it's within uh, a relationship within a church context and you have to ask yourself what is god doing in this moment right now and we see here in matthew 24:42 it says therefore stay awake for you do not know on what day your lord is coming stay awake i think sometimes we just fall asleep I think that's what we do. We fall asleep and we just go, well, I've become complacent to this. This is how it's going to be. And I'm going to accept it as it is. Or am I going to be awake and say, God, what are you actually doing right now? What is the true situation here? Now, this is the difference between having the perspective of myself or allowing me to have the perspective of God. Having the perspective of myself is like watching the clip. I was watching The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. And he's releasing movie clips right now of his upcoming movie. I can't remember what it's called. Uh, What's that new movie? uh, Hobbs and and Shaw. And he just released on Instagram a new uh, deal, a new movie clip. I don't go away from that and go, ah, I saw the movie. It was awesome. I want to actually go to the theater and watch the whole thing. And see, this is what happens. What we do is maybe we have an interaction with someone or we have an experience and we go to a restaurant and we have one meal, but that restaurant is many meals. And so what I'm saying is this, is take yourself back. Don't just have your limited perspective moment, but go back and say, God, I want to have the whole picture and see what are you doing here? What's the true story? How are you going to use that? There's been situations that have happened in my life that I thought were gonna be the things that broke me and took me down. But all these years later, they're part of the foundation that I stand on now because of how good God is. It didn't make sense then because right then it was just the movie clip full of all of the highlights and, and all of the emotion and all of the excitement and all of the frustration and the anger. But then as I look in back in hindsight, I've learned to go, you know what, God, even though what I'm, I'm in it right now, and I don't like it I'm going to trust you down the line because I know that it's part of a bigger story that you're working for your good that you're working on your behalf on my behalf for a bigger me number 2 when you're tempted how do I grow my how do I grow my spiritual quotation when you're tempted to think from self when you're tempted to think from self uh, romans eight five six I 'm coming back to that same scripture it says, "For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death; but to be spiritually minded is life and peace and that's great, so how do I live? According to the spirit, then I don't want to live according to the flesh. I want to live according to the spirit says, well, how do I do that? 2 Corinthians 10, 5 in the Passion Translation says, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through of every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. And, And listen to this. We capture like prisoner of war, every thought that insists that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. We capture those thoughts. In other words, I, and I want to grow in my spiritual awareness and set my mind to the things of the Spirit. Then I need to take captive the thoughts that are in my thinking that are anti what God says about me, that are anti what says God's promises are for me. And so anytime I'm faced with a situation where someone says, oh, you know what? An exchange church, they're, they're going through a hard season now. Oh, you know what? Don't get, too, don't get too excited. That momentum's never going to last. Oh, you know what? Exchange Church, you you excited about that generosity? But it's never going to happen. Every time those things get put out there, we have to take those thoughts captive and put them back into obedience to what God's Word says and the promises that He has for me and the promises that He has for us. I don't know what's been said about you, but when you lay down and put your head to pillow at night. And there are thoughts, worrying thoughts, stressful thoughts. I'm never going to pass that exam. I'm, never, I'm just never going to break through to that next level at my work. Or I'm never going to hit that pay grade that I'm believing for. Or I'm never going to see that promise come to pass. Or I'm never going to see that relationship happen. These are all real things that circulate around in our thinking. We have to take those thoughts captive and cast them out and say, God, but what does your scripture say? What is your promises for me? And then begin to speak and declare and pray and watch your spiritual sensitivity, your spiritual awareness and your spiritual capacity begin to increase. And you not only just walk and live from day to day, but you'll begin to walk with purpose, with intent, a man with a vision that God has set you apart to do something bigger and greater than yourself. Amen. I want to be someone, and this is the last one, and, and this is a bonus one for free, uh, <laughs> is, is uh, how do I know and how can I see that I'm growing spiritually? I think it's real simple, just one word, love. Is that you see someone, you see the love that's coming out of someone. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, there's times where you don't see the love come out of me. And uh, especially when I cook, overcook something or, or someone cuts me off. Um, And and we all have these moments where we get frustrated. You know, if you've been married long enough, you'll know that you will fight with your wife or you'll fight with your husband and there'll be tension. You'll have fights with your kids, your family and and, and so forth. And and the love of God doesn't come out. That's just being real. That's just what it is. Um, But when I say love, I mean a love that doesn't serve me, a love that serves God. That's a surrendered love. It's a love that serves God. It's a love that is dedicated for Him. I believe in in salvation. And salvation is three part. And I believe one of the parts of salvation is sanctification. What does that mean? That means it's the process of me becoming Christ-like. That's the journey that I'm on. Yes, I was saved from my sin. Yes, Jesus did it all on the cross. But that doesn't mean that I am still a work in progress. You just have to ask my wife. There's still things that God is doing in me. There's still things that God is doing in you right now. You do not have a complete revelation of God. God is still revealing. He's still speaking. This is the process of sanctification, becoming Christ-like. Yes, my spirit is united with His, but I'm still on that journey. And therefore, I believe obedience is the test, uh, but love is the expression of it. And so here I am on this journey and I'm becoming Christ-like. So I want to, in that sanctification process, becoming Christ-like, that means I should become more loving, more gracious, more kind, not because of an outside-in effort, but an inside-out job. God did it in my heart and naturally the love of God came out. Amen? I just want to, I'll finish with this. I just want to say this and I, and I think this is really important. As I think, I think we've been caught up so often in fair versus a fair mentality versus a grace mentality. And I've spoken about this before. but I just really feel to hit on this right now, just in this moment. Fair is you get what you deserve. But grace is you get what you don't deserve. And I believe there's some people who've fallen into a mentality of fairness thinking, I don't deserve the grace of God. And you're right, you don't. But that's the definition of grace is getting what you don't deserve. You don't deserve the love of God today. You know what? I've been working so hard to earn it and get it. I've been so good. Well, no one is good but God. No one is perfect but Jesus. And so because of that thinking of fairness, we exclude or cut ourselves off because we don't feel worthy enough. We don't feel valued enough or we don't feel... Recognize, We feel like we have to hide and and shut that down. But no, grace is not because of what you did. It's because of what Jesus did. Grace is a free gift from God. But but hang on a minute. Cool, I gotcha. But that would make me a hypocrite though because I'm going to go from this place and I'm still going to sin again. Yeah, but your sin is no match for His grace. And His grace is sufficient. His grace covers a multitude of sin. His grace did it all. And so even though you will probably sin again when you leave this room and what you would potentially call yourself a hypocrite because of that. So I don't know how valuable my true repentance is. Well, I want to ask you this question. What's greater, a greater force in this universe? Hypocrisy or grace? What's the greater force? Hypocrisy? What power does hypocrisy have in the presence of God? Absolutely no power, no authority. It is the grace and the love of God that enables us to do what God's called us to do. And this is really good news this morning. Why? It's because a relationship with God is not a moral pursuit of Him. It's not, I've got to do good. It's you become good in Him. And so when Jesus changes your life, the good stuff comes out of you. Because you're excited to do it out of an overflow of love, of the love and the grace that you've experienced. And that's where it flows from. But if you're in this battle of trying to quit doing this and and you're battling this label that's been put on you, you're this and you need to overcome that. That, That's not your battle. Your battle is to receive the love and the grace of God. To say, God, you know what? I surrender, I surrender and I give it over to you and I allow your grace to do what only your grace can do. How gracious is our God? How good is our God?